Hey there, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you listening. Um, I just want to get right to it. There's just something very weighty, something very sobering, something that I will have to take a few minutes to preface, to have any chance at all for anyone to listen to what I'm saying. And not even to listen, because that's really, that will be hard enough in itself, but, but most importantly, to receive anything I might say in this series. I don't know, I don't know how many people will listen. And I'm really wrestling to have the right faith towards this and and entrust my words that I might literally be a mouthpiece for the Lord, although flawed I am and, and flawed things that I say will be. But that that the origin and the source of why I would even begin to crack the door open on this topic, that the only reason I would do that is because I believe there's something within it for us to be freed from. And because we're freed from something, we can move into something that can't be known, apprehended, and be ours experientially until we let go of some other things first. And if there's anyone listening to this that's known me for years, you know, 12 years ago, I'd consider myself a Christian most of my life. Even at my worst, I mean, I had years and years of rebellion and self and and sin and ridiculousness when I was younger. But I was raised Christian in the church, saved when I was young, all these things I've touched on in these recordings before. But if anyone's known me specifically over the last 12 years, and even the years before that, a few years before that, know that I can be very passionate, very zealous. And people who are passionate and zealous are often very offensive. I get that. I know that. I've been told that more times than I could give myself to talk about here. You're too much, Joel. You're too intense. You're too serious. I'm not like that. I don't study like that. I don't hear God like that. I don't believe that there's something to constantly be doing about all these spiritual matters all the time like that. Not everybody's like that, Joel. I understand that. I, I, I feel like I understand that. And I feel like as I grow older, I understand that more. And as I yield my, my strengths, my weaknesses, my, my, my just flesh man in the sense of I'm in a body, submitting that to the Lord to, to help me with and to allow me to dose out in, in ways that are according to His Spirit and and not just according to, well, this is just how I am. I don't want to be that way. 
And so I say that to say, if you've known me for a while, if you're not careful, this might at first feel like or sound like a rant. But please don't presumptuously write this off as such. I'm simply desiring to extend the Hezekiah call for the people of God to return to the statutes and ordinances of Yahweh Himself. He has a prescribed way. We know that. And until we've done away with our own way, we will never find and follow His. That is a simple biblical pattern. The exchange life, I talk about it endlessly in different ways in this podcast, is the exchange life reality of the power within laying down our will, which enables us to pick up His. It was the epitome of Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of God Himself, God and man. He was, he was the perfect demonstration of that because He was the perfect exchange life God-man. Although in natural flesh, He only carried out the will of the Father. And he left to prepare a place for us and to enable us by sending us Holy Spirit to indwell us and empower us to do as he did. Which was what? Not just perform miracles, not just heal people, not just do all of these things, but actually be the identity of the Christ man. But we can't do that until we are truly willing in our heart heart of hearts, the deepest places of us, to live in an exchanged way. To say, it is literally no longer I that live. And so that lifestyle for real is a constant evaluation and reevaluation of self. What we give ourselves to, what we believe, what we celebrate, what we think on, what we do, what we don't do. A constant reassessing and and resubmitting in humility before God himself as we change, as we mature, as there's more of a demand as a mature son, spiritually speaking, of a more surrendered life unto the will of the Father. It should be perpetual and ever-increasing for the rest of our days from faith to faith. And so that's why I'm saying what I'm saying is... Until we are ready to put the microscope of God's Word and His patterns, His ordinances, His commands, until we are ready to take a good hard look at those and allow those to filter down into every single thing that we give ourselves to, whether we like it or not, can't imagine our life without it, or if it's just something that we are absolutely sure, with great perfect confidence, is right and good, unless we constantly give ourselves to being open to receiving a change in our perspective, a change in our understanding, we will never continue to walk out in in greater maturity, becoming the Huyo sons that all of creation is groaning to see manifest sons on the earth, a a God-man army of people, the prophecies in the book of Joel, a people who are saying, 
We are all about the master and we are not our own. Not we are not our own, but we do this. We are not our own, but we do that. Friends, there is a golden calf in the land. There's a golden calf in the land. We have created it. We, humanity, have fashioned it. We enjoy it. We like it. And it is standing in, I would say, for the perfect purposes and plans of Yahweh God. And we are just kind of taking care of some things on our own because we would rather do it that way. So I want to get right into the topic. And I'm just going to preface this by saying, friends, can you hear something that you oppose and be okay? Can you hear something that just might make you so repulsed by what you'll hear and still be okay? Is there anything we can hear and give ourselves to even just hearing and saying, Lord, maybe, maybe this is true. Is it possible this is true? This seems wrong. This seems like heresy even. But what do we do? We take all of these thoughts that, that come to us in all the immeasurable, immeasurable ways that they do, and we submit them all to the lordship and headship of Jesus the Christ within us. Not what we say are good thoughts, not what we say are bad thoughts. As I've said before, we take them all, and we submit them to him under his authority. And we let him define them to be what they are. And so I'm asking you to do that. So can I say something hard? something offensive. Are we grown, mature adults and followers of the Messiah well enough to know that that's okay? Have we ever heard anything brought to us in whatever way it comes, and we just do not like it, yet we give ourselves to it, and it proves to be true, and there's something that says, you know what? I am wrong. That's happened to me. And some of those things have changed my life. The willingness to say, even in, in, is it remotely possible that something we give ourselves to is wrong? Friends, if we can't stay in that place of like, I mean like in your heart, to like will, want, the, want the maturing of the Spirit so much in us that we're ready and willing to say, okay, tell me. Because if there's something in me that I'm lacking, or if there's something in me that is a part of my life that should not be, I am willing, and not just willing, I'm eager to lay it down. Or I'm eager to add it in, whatever the case may be. Show me, brother. Tell me, sister. Tell me. Because I can take it. I can handle it. Because I want to mature. And I want to be found pleasing to Yahweh God. And so friends, lastly, as, a, as an intro, if you will, if you listen to the end of the Power Preparation series from a couple days back, I ended that with a, um, the account of the virgins with the lamps. And y'all, it stirred me when I shared it. I don't know if, I haven't listened to it. I don't know if that came across clear or not. But man, the imagery of that just really arrested me. And I want to start this off with that imagery 
for anyone who would listen to what I'm going to say for the next, I don't know how many minutes, this is going to be several parts for sure. I have a lot of pages written on it. I'm trying to figure out what to extract out of it. But I was just sharing with great emotion. I want, I want to say, to paint a picture of the, the origin of what I'm doing here and why I would even touch this, this sacred cow, if you will of this nation, of this Christian nation. I was, I was sharing about the parables of the, not the parables, rather the, the virgins. It's parable, it doesn't matter. We know the story, we'll say, of the virgins, some that are ready and some that are not, for the receiving of the bridegroom, the going out to meet him when he comes. And I was sharing with great detail about, I could just see in my imagination the two distinct sides. One was ready on the edge of the, of the village and she was looking out into the dark woods and she was holding up her lamp and she was straining with an outstretched arm. Is that the, is that the, bride, is that the bridegroom? Is that him? Is he coming? I think I heard him. And then the other one, in great paraphrase, is behind, seated, occupied. Lamp is empty. And I'm saying I feel like the one who's on the edge there and I'm turning to anyone who would listen that's sitting down preoccupied behind me, not ready, saying, hey, listen, friend, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Your lamp's not full. Is your lamp full? Is your lamp full? Is your lamp full? I'm going around the room and I'm asking everyone I can find, is your lamp full? Is your lamp full? The bridegroom's coming, friend. And listen, just like all the scriptural accounts of the messengers who went out and who were persecuted and in many cases killed for bringing even the message of the good news and bringing the message of like, you've been invited to the master's table, it is hated and it is despised. Well, why in the world is that? Because it's offensive. Because it is, it is so offensive, it will drive many away. And so friend, which will you be? I'm just going to say it bluntly. Which will you be? The one who's sitting there saying, hey, I'm good. Don't you question me. Or will you just listen in humility to someone standing at the edge in humility saying, it's not about you and it's not about me, but y'all, the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. He is out there, and it's as if I can hear him now. And I'm not sure you're listening. Or, I don't know if you're listening. Can I just ask you, are you prepared? Are you ready? Are you waiting? Are you expectant? Are you willing to put down every single thing you believe and know to make sure you are ready to be found pleasing to the coming Messiah. That is my heart behind what I'm going to share. That will absolutely offend you. So please drive that into your understanding that that is my purpose. But this is something that nearly every single person that I've met in my 46 years of life has been unwilling to dialogue about. Free from personal opinion and preference. So can we, I'm just saying, can we please sit down, take a deep breath, ask some hard questions, free from aggression and defensiveness, as truly mature followers 
of the Messiah? So please lay down. Now, would you, I'm asking you, would you lay down your prejudices, your personal beliefs for just a few minutes, free from feelings and emotions about what you personally like, what you personally prefer? I do not hold truth as mine. I am not walking out some God has told me a revelation that you and no one else has ever heard before and you have to listen to me. I am in no way saying that. I'm presenting something. I'm setting something out on a table for anyone that would be willing to sit down and look at it in a heart of truly wanting what is pleasing to Yahweh God to prevail. The thing is, the fact that so very few are even willing to talk about it, free from instant offense, makes it strikingly clear to me that we have got to talk about it. So in this season, in this time of year, right now it's what? Today when I'm recording this, it's December the 8th. I can literally feel the draw of the world in this season. Now, I know I I personally, in the way we live here, we're far removed from that. We have made steps over the last four years to, to come out of the city, literally, in the natural, and distance ourselves from things that we believe via scriptural convictions and in a desire to be found pleasing to the Lord's, a set apart, distinct people now. We believe that that looks like something. We believe that a biblical alien people literally must look and sound and talk and do things differently. We believe that's very literal. So out here, we don't feel that same pull and draw because we're not in it. That's just fact. But it's still there and I still recognize its pull. If I get online for five minutes... When we go into the city to get groceries, when I drive through cities to get to work, I still see it, I still recognize it, the urge to shop for gifts, the music, the colors, the lights, the emotion of the season, it's everywhere you turn. So let me get right to this and pose a question, because I'm talking about Christmas and the Christmas season. And I want to I just ask a question, and then I'm going to get into what I'll just call the content of what I'm even going to share. Again, to present an idea, to ask a question, to put something out on the table and say, can we please look at this and ask some questions? Because it's been so taboo throughout my whole life, no one is even willing to talk about it. Which again, shows to me that we should and we must. So can you have Christmas without Christ? Can you have Christmas without Christ? I can hear the chorus of answers. No way. Nope, 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 you cannot. I would say unequivocally and bluntly, yes. Yes, you can. 
As I was recently crossing a parking lot, we were out shopping, getting Noah some shirts. It was one of these, you know, large, it's, you don't have malls really anymore. You just have these large shopping centers with, you know, 10 football field size parking lots in the middle. And you just could you can walk around all these different stores side by side, outdoors, of course. And I sensed it so strongly after we were only there a few minutes, y'all. And I turned to my wife and I said, Kristen, I can feel it. Do you feel it? What do you think that is? And she looked at me and she calmly said, it's the spirit of Christmas, Joel. I said, exactly. It's the spirit of Christmas is in the air. It comes softly. It comes, comes tenderly. Earlier and earlier and earlier with each passing year it comes. Churches present cantatas and elaborate programs. Greenery hangs up here and there. Red ribbons are flying. And people can justify it all. Well, the green means this and the red means that. I know that. <sighs> Bells are ringing at storefronts. Our eyes are bombarded with every possible desire that the natural man craves. Lights go up. Sales fill the shopping centers. Friends and family travel. The spirit of Christmas fills the air. The season is in full swing, and if you live here in America, you can literally feel it. You can feel it and feel it and sense it. But most cunning of all is it comes wrapped up really beautiful, sweetly, Christian-y. It's packaged in a gold box named Jesus' birth. For those who want to align these festivities with the event of the coming Messiah. He is, after all, the reason for the season, right? Keep Christ in Christmas. Jesus is the best gift of all. We all know how it goes. We've seen the signs on on every Christian uh, church corner, all the gift jokes, all the the funny sayings of of how we align Christmas with Christ. Majority Christianity loves her celebrations. She gets all dressed up in the finest makeup. Nice clothes, decorated, ready to rejoice. But can we please take a step back from all of these things that everybody just does because that's what you do and ask ourselves, why does it generally look exactly like the Christmas celebrations of the carnally driven world that celebrates alongside her? Do you hear what I'm saying? The majority of what the Christian church 
does in this Christmas season looks identical to the patterns of the world. Yes, we have our church programs. Yes, we have the baby Jesus in the manger, even though it's a dirty, nasty, stinky manger where there's donkeys and camels, which isn't even biblically biblically accurate. Look into Magdal Idar if you want to know about how Yahweh God sent His Son as the perfect slain lamb sacrifice, spotless and blameless, because that in that area of the land was where all the spotless lambs in the natural were grown and set apart for the perfect sacrifice unto Yahweh God. He was not in a dirty, nasty, ratty stable because no one wanted Him. Do you think Yahweh God eternal would send His Son into a manure-laden stable that nobody gave a, anything about? No way. No way, no way. That's not even true. But who questions that? Don't you question my manger scene. Don't you question this. I like putting out the donkeys. I like putting out the camels. Do we want to know the awesome plan of God? Or do we want our traditions, friends? What do we want? I mean, what do we really want? And so I'm going to end that right here for part one. <sighs> Again, this is another one I've not named or anything. I've, I've, that's irrelevant. I don't even care what we call it. I'll have to name it something. But we'll just name this part one of this series, Examining Christmas. From a spiritual man perspective, y'all. And so please make it to part two. Please make it to part two. I, I can't beg you. You're, you have the free will to do whatever you want to do. But I'm asking anyone, if you're truly yielded to what the Lord would say, and if you really want to know what's pleasing to Him, and you feel like it's worth at least even the possibility that I might say anything, that would deem any one of us more pleasing in his sight, friend, would you please listen to what I'll present? Again, what I'm putting on the table for consideration. Would you please consider? Consider, please, what I will say. Amen.